I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast with Yahoo Sports Canada. My name's Emmett Mann. Rate, review, subscribe on YouTube or on a podcast platform, whatever you got. Joining me today is Mark Schindler of SB Nation, uh, Basketball News. You can find his podcasting talents on Indie Cornrolls and also a draft podcast called Tag the Roller. We're going to talk Eastern Conference because it is going to be so fun down the stretch. There are so many good teams. I remember years ago, I was like, okay, so the fourth seed is under 500. Cool. But it's exact opposite now. You have like three, four legit teams that are vying for a title and they have a certain windows they can kind of roll with here to win that title and they're going all in kind of so mark um thanks so much for joining me how was your weekend uh it was good dude i and for, first of all thanks Tom, for having me on i appreciate the intro um i i'm good today started off really well i was hopping into a, a podcast earlier and i uh, i did not realize that i had accidentally dropped my headphones into my coffee and I didn't realize until I picked my headphones up and splashed oh, no. uh, splashed coffee over myself. So it's been that kind of morning so far. But um, <laughs> you know, we're making do. It's good. Basketball is is back and flowing, and uh, I'm loving it, man. So I'm, I'm I'm psyched to talk some Eastern Conference. Hell yeah! Um, we're gonna start with the Raptors because I mean Raptors over everything. And uh, after that, we'll kind of work our way down from the top of the East all the way down to eighth. And if Mark wants to talk Hornets or Hawks after what we just saw the Hawks do to the Toronto Raptors a couple of days ago, we can do that too. But let's start with the Toronto Raptors. And I want to get your thoughts on, I guess, first off of the, the past few games, because they haven't just lost, they've been blown out. And there was so much intrigue about the second half of the season. They call it second half, it's last 25 games. And it's kind of looking out at, okay, so they're healthy. Um, they're going to start rolling. And then obviously the OG and Anobi injury happens. Who knows how long he's going to be out for? Rumored three to four weeks, usually with the, a fractured finger. And it was obvious that something was wrong because I had actually tweeted about this a few days ago where I was like, you know, OG, before the All-Star break, he missed like, like legit, like six layups down the stretch. And it was like point blank, like you shouldn't miss these shots. And then sure enough, as we find out now, he has a fractured finger on his shooting hand. So that kind of explains it. But anyways, um, what were your thoughts on those, the past two games that we, we, we saw with the Raptors? Is it, uh, is it a reason for concern or is it kind of just like, this is just ups and downs of the NBA and you just shouldn't lose like that at this point of the season, but Hey, it happened. Uh, I, not to be annoyingly nuanced, but I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. Like, I think, I mean, I didn't watch the, the Hornets game. I watched the Hawks game uh, yesterday and, or I guess Saturday. I, I'm, my time is so mixed up, but it's all um, good, like to lose two games like that back to back, like that, that is very bad. I, like, I mean, that, that's a simple statement. It's, it's pretty, I mean, losing by 60 combined points in two games, is not good. Um, mm-hmm. I think, especially watching against the Hawks, uh, like you saw how much they missed OG on both ends. I think, you know, just in terms of like, I mean, they were playing Kem more and not to, not to be unfair to Kem, like he just wasn't awesome, but also, um, and I think something that we're going to get into later, you just can see some of the issues in playing this kind of scheme and style when you don't have everybody right. Um, 
And I think, I mean, it's great when you have everybody together, you bank on having that, but uh, with where the roster is now, and especially with how bad the bench has been, um, I think that was pretty apparent in the last two years, but again, should not be that bad. Um, like the offense really was just uh, like, it came out really good. The offense looked so good in the first quarter yesterday, a lot of uh Fred Pascal pick and roll, which we've seen a little bit more of recently. I still want to see more of it. And they sure. went away from it uh, as the game went on. And consequentially, the, the the offense kind of died out. I mean, they I, I don't want to say that they just shot themselves in the foot like they didn't shoot well. So that definitely hurt themselves as well. But um, offensively, it just feels like they're fighting against themselves half the time because they're not putting themselves in a great position. Um, and then, I mean, Trey Young was just nuts yesterday i think that's part of it that you have to factor in like yeah even they started just running without screens they were just having him create from a standstill and he was still throwing the defense into rotation and, and absolutely killing it but i mean the defensive execution was really bad they went the, the few possessions they did go to zone yesterday i didn't feel particularly great about um i mean again you could see missing og uh i mean it, there were moments where gary was was playing on on uh Entree, there were moments where Fred's playing entree. It just didn't matter. He was getting yeah. whatever he wanted to yesterday, and that was it was killer. Yeah, and um, I look at that Hornets game, and that to me was like, okay, that I, I could equate that to just a poor, poor game. You know, not coming out focused. Um, the Hornets, obviously, they playing well. Like they've been up and down a little bit this season, but they're clearly got a focus that they want to start ramping it up as they head towards uh, the playoffs and you know trying to get out of that uh, playing position. But with the Raptors, you know, poor start. It happens whatever. Um, but that, that Hawks game was really perplexing because they did start well, like you said, and over the course of the game, I mean, I found it kind of weird. And Nick nurse talked about this after the game is how they were going to scheme against Trey young. And you have, you know, Fred trailing, and then you're just trying to kind of close down the space with him. But to me, I mean, maybe this is just my opinion, but I, I don't think that you really want to let Trey young get in the paint too much because once that happens, like you're just, you're kind of asking for it. And they decided he talked about this. They decided that they didn't want him to shoot threes, but to me, I'm like, I mean, why not let him shoot threes? If he goes off for 40 or something like that, you know, just through three point shots, or if he has a good first half or whatever, like, okay, but they were letting him do exactly what he wanted to do. Sure. They felt like they were able to counter with some of the schemes that the Raptors were throwing at him. But in the end, Trey was very comfortable in what was being cast of him against the Toronto Raptors. And part of that probably is that Fred Van Vliet isn't right. I mean, he, he's saying he won't ever say what's going on with him, but it's clear that he's just not, mobility is not there. His three-point sh shot was much better against the Hawks, but um, his side-to-side -side lateral movement, you can tell he's just not the same player. And then you got Pascal, who was still kind of sick, and OG is probably their best perimeter defender overall when it comes to guarding uh, multiple different body types. Like, no one can really do it the way he can. That's why, you know, he's in the conversation for an all-defensive team. And I thought, yeah, I think the Raptors kind of shot themselves in the foot, essentially, that maybe the scheming for that matchup against the Hawks just wasn't right because Clint Capella had no problem getting dunks off that, uh, off that pick and roll with Trey. And if that's what they want to do and you let them do it, then, I mean, why would you scheme for that? Why would you yeah, want well, that to happen? It's so hard, too, because especially when you want to play an aggressive scheme like that, like you have to, have, you have to be really crisp on the back end. And that was not the case yesterday yeah. when they did throw any kind of hedges or traps at, at Trey. Um, I mean, if, if you, if you threw two to the ball, he was lobbying over top of Capella. Um, or if, if you did pre-rotate over before Capella could get down the lane and, and catch a lob, then the mm -hmm. ball's going into the corner. Um, and it's just like, it's so hard to stop a playmaker like that. But then even then when, 
I think when they did have everything together, it just wasn't there. And I think uh, not to conflate everything to, to, to energy, but I mean, they don't look energetic right now. And and that's, that's definitely one of the areas where it becomes a little bit concerning coming out of the break like this. One of my friends tweeted this out the other day, I think the top four. He's a a Raptors Twitter person. I'm sure who's, who's a friend. Uh, It was Matt Issa who also writes with me over at basketball news. Um, Great writer. Yeah. He, uh, I think it was four, like four of the top five players in the NBA in distance travel this year are all Raptors players. And yeah. it sounds non-consequential when you just put it out like that. But this was an issue for the Pacers last year who had Nate York as head coach. And mm-hmm. they played pretty much the exact same defensive scheme and um, a lot of the same frenetic offense. And it really wore down on them throughout the year, contributed to a lot of injuries. Um, and I'm just hopeful it won't be the same with the Raptors now, but considering they pretty typically play like a seven and a half man rotation. Yeah. You're seeing how it's playing out a little bit. And uh, yeah. So I think there's, there's, I don't want to overblow the last two games, but it definitely is showing some of the cracks. Yeah. And then on the offensive side, they did start well against the Hawks. Like we talked about um, the Hornets game, they only scored 93 points. So there you go. But not having a, a lot of spot up shooters, a lot of catch and shoot through shooters, a lot of movement shooters. They only have really two OG to a degree, but then the, you got Gary Trent and Fred Van Vliet. Those are like your only two movement shooters. And we'll get to some of the other teams that actually have a lot of movement shooters and how successful they've been at that. But um, you can see that how the dominoes fall once you lose one player. I wonder if, if a player like Yuta Watanabe, who's been kind of MIA for a long time now, I think he might get a role all of a sudden because they just need his three-point shooting and they need his perimeter defense, two things that OG was relied upon to do. They're kind of in a tough spot with where they go with their bench. Um, again, it's going to you know rely upon more of Pascal and Scotty um, playing a lot more minutes. And now they're going to find ways to get you know, Fred Van Vliet some, some rest and uh, get him off ball as a, as a shooter because they need his off-ball shooting. If they don't have that, then they don't have too many guys that can really hit shots at as high of a clip as, as he can. Um, overall, with the Raptors and the season that we've seen from them, do you think that they have something with this like small big ball philosophy? I'm not even sure what to call it because it's not big ball. They're, I mean, in the middle of the floor, they're, they're tall, but their center is 6'9". Um, so whatever it is, do you, do you think they have something with it? Do you think it's something that they can kind of roll with for a few years and that it could end up, you know, helping them win a title at some point? Um, I mean, I, I think so. Uh, it, it just depends what you add to it. Um, I think, like, just based on everything we heard, I think it was Jake Fisher who reported, and others did too, um, Mark Stein, about the Raptors uh, reaching out about Kristaps Porzingis. Obviously, nothing came out with that, but I think they, they do realize that they need a, to, to, to find somebody who can solidify at the five more because um, with the way that they play, like, I love their defense, but I just wish it was reined in, like, 5-10% sometimes. And I think – if you had somebody who could protect the rim at a higher degree, like Precious is a good rim protector, but I think if you could add somebody in who uh, saying puts the fear of God in the drivers, wrong way to look at it, but like Precious doesn't quite have that yet. Like I think if yeah. his reputation grows, he'll have that more with time, but like mentally he has it. Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. Really like, believe it, but yeah. Yeah. Like having, having somebody like, like not just to like throw out names, but like Miles Turner, like somebody who actually can deter mm-hmm. drives without even having to block a shot. Like, that matters. That makes a difference for your defense. And I, I do think they kind of miss somebody who can stabilize them on the back end at times. Um, mm-hmm. But like part of what's so exciting about the group when they do have them all together is the variations they can play. Like we started to see Scotty and, and Pascal play more and drop. And um, it looked really, really jerky at first, but it's come along and it's looked better. But again, when you don't have everyone together, um, 
you've seen some of the difficulties with that and, and yeah. rotations aren't the same and it doesn't look as good. Um, I mean, to me, I think it's just more about, uh, you know, adding more skill to this. Cause it's not that there isn't skill, but um, like, I mean, I look at Pascal, obviously incredibly skilled guy. It took him a while to get there. Like what's happening next with OG. I've been like, I know a lot of Raptors fans have been down on OG for a season, which I find a little fault with. Like, I think some of the expectations for him before the year were a little, a little too mm-hmm. high. Um, just given where he was coming from. I, I mean, he's had good flashes, but it's going to depend. Okay. How does, how does Scotty add to things? I've been really encouraged with Scotty and impressed with Scotty and what he's done this yeah, year. Yeah. Like, I think it's more instead of uh, looking at it as like the, the answer, how do you supplement it? Like, can you, can you bring in a, a point guard off the bench? Are you going to be able to change things? Cause obviously it's not going to be Malachi. Like at this point um, no. it seems like that's pretty done. Um, I do think part of that is on the Raptors for never having a real, like coming out of uh, coming out of San Diego State, like you knew, okay, this is one of the best pick and roll players in the country. That's mm-hmm. what he thrives on. This offense is not a pick and roll based offense. They don't run a lot of that. They don't have bigs who are great at you know getting you separation. Um, so that's been a struggle for him even then. Like his shot hasn't been there. But um, how can you can you can you find a five who maybe instead of having like a starting five who needs to play like thirty ish minutes a game, maybe you can bring somebody in like a step up from Kem, like somebody like Rashawn Holmes, who was probably like two steps up from Kem, but like who can, you know, bolster the back line and do some things offensively without being a negative and, um, you know, keep things flowing and give you another look. Cause I do think that's sure. one of the issues that they have right now. They just don't have a lot of other looks to go to. Um, but I do think there's definitely something there. Like it's, I mean, they, they wouldn't be above 500 right now if they didn't have at least something there that's intriguing. Yeah. The Ken Birch one is a tough one because uh, he's had knee issues the entire season. And yeah. I still don't think he's he's uh, moving the way that he was earlier on in the season when actually OG Aninobi was, as Fred said, the number one option because Pascal was out and OG was doing a terrific job. He was getting you know, 20 points per game. Um, and Kem, he was the person that he was the pre- uh, previous season. Um, in that latter end in the in the Florida in the Tampa season where he was such a great rim protector where he was running the floor really well he has that push shot that has some accuracy to it and um, you know he's a pretty smart player he's a he's a next action kind of big where he's not going to hold the ball for too long he knows where the ball's got to go and he makes it happen and that's why you know a person like that young is such a good fit for the Raptors because he's he kind of fit their identity even before they even had the identity they liked him for a few years and I think he's going to be a person that maybe if they decide to bring back next season, he could be a serviceable member, but like you had said, they don't do a lot of pick and roll. And I think that's still one of the weaknesses Part of that is probably because they don't have you know, the big to do it. Right. They don't have like a pick and pop big uh, when it comes to rolling and pressure the is still kind of honing his skills there. Yes. He can, you know, you can dunk an alley-oop. Um, that's great. But when it comes to like finishing in traffic, it's just not there yet. Uh, they have tried a little bit of Scotty Barnes as a roller and it's been really intriguing um, but still, like you just need him in so many different parts of your offense because, I mean, he's Scotty. Like he, this is the reason why he's one of the generational talents. Him and Evan Mobley, they're kind of battling it out for Rookie of the Year. Whoever gets it, obviously very deserving. Whoever doesn't, doesn't mean you're bad. <laughs> That's for sure. That means that you are just your one A this season. But who knows what that means going forward? Um, at the center position, you know, like you had said, uh, they were in the talks for Kristaps Porzingis, which is cool. I mean, I wasn't sure how much value was to, to those rumors. I yeah. think, you know, the Mavericks for sure, they obviously wanted to trade him and that's why he's in Washington. But Jakob Pertl was one person that I really thought would help their offense. I mean, he had a couple of days ago, he had like 28 and 11. I was like, oh gosh, 
that would have been nice with the Raptors. He was like, he is, uh, when it comes to screen assists and rolling as a big, he's such a great finisher. We even saw that in uh, his first few years with the Raptors. And then Miles Turner. I mean, we don't need to go down his resume. There's a reason why the Raptors were so keen on getting him. He kind of fits their system so well. And with their system, you need, you know, you're looking for like a, a lengthy, mobile big and they don't exist everywhere they're kind of tough to find actually and precious um i I, i'm very high on him i think he's going to be a great nba player i think even next season even this season he had 21 and 9 against the hawks yesterday and like i said i wasn't sure if he really had if they should give him these kind of reps at this moment of the season if you're trying to win games like if you're trying to develop then cool you know let him develop do his thing but i thought maybe you know send him down to the g league make him the number one option let's let him like truly develop his his skills and to make mistakes but um to his credit like his three point shots come along a lot and uh, he made t- uh, two against the hawks the other day and going forward i mean We'll see what he is, but in the end, he's still six nine, and you, you just need someone taller. You just need yeah. someone taller. That's like you scheme all you want, and you talked about this actually earlier. Is that they had to hone down that uh, aggressiveness, and I think the Hawks against the Hawks actually, they had to do it a little bit more too. They have throughout the season, like earlier on, it was kind of weird how aggressive they were because they were just leaving these huge gaps in the middle of the floor, and teams were just executing on it, and team, they were getting layups and dunks. I'm like, well, yeah, you gotta. It's, it's not it, but. <laughs> Now, um, I don't know, maybe they deviated a little bit back to those those woeful ways against the Hawks, and they got burned for it. Trey Young made them pay quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's uh, almost an honor sell. What do you have, like 41 and 10 or something like yeah. that? It was ridiculous. It was man. really good. 41 and 11, 17 of 24, and uh, he only shot four threes, which is one of the signs where like, he was just getting whatever he wanted in the paint. Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. Man, he's he's incredible. Like he's cocky, but that's what I love about him. <laughs> New York Knicks learned that last season, and uh, he's one of those uh, teams. It's one of those part of one of those teams that's looking to get out of the playing tournament because I don't think the Washington Wizards are going to be uh, making any noise, and the Hawks are in tenth right now. You got the Hornets in ninth, so the play-in is what a lot of teams are trying to avoid because it's going to be very very messy. Um, and for the Raptors, I mean. They got to see what they can do here because they're going, uh, they got a tough stretch coming up here against a lot of really quality teams around the road for like, you know, six games. They're facing, you know, the Clippers and the Nuggets and all those, those Goliaths in the uh, Western Conference. Um, it's going to be a tricky one. They got some things to figure out. And uh, I'm not sure what the answers are. I mentioned Yuta Watanabe, that maybe he can come on and uh, over his past few games, when he has gotten playing time, he has hit his threes. And that's the reason why talked about this on the podcast. That's the reason why he kind of fell out of the rotation is that they had enough guys who did what he did and he wasn't producing offensively. But now if he is able to hit his corner, corner threes, if he's able to hit some catch and shoot threes, run the floor, uh, play defense on the perimeter, maybe he has a, a spot in the rotation again. We'll have to see how that goes, but um, some, some decisions to make for the Raptors and hopefully they can just stay healthy, get healthy. Hopefully Fred can get a new kneecap, whatever the hell the issue is, because <laughs> it's not looking good right now. He's, he's moving very gingerly, I must say. Um, any other thoughts on the Raptors for you, Mark? No, I mean, I'm there with you. I think uh, like their bench is limited, but there are guys who have utility. Like I, sure. okay. What, what is holding you back from playing Justin Champagne eight to 10 minutes a game? What yeah. is holding you back from playing Yuta? Like, I just don't think that Fred and Pascal need to play 38 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and if, 
if that's where you're at right now, like, I think that does bring up questions about, okay, well then what are we doing here? Like, not that that totally, but like, I mean, there are guys who can handle that, but I think we've gotten to the point where like, you know, it's not very healthy for guys for that, that, that large of a load every year. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm in lock up with you. They need to expand the bench, see what's going on there um, and see if you can maybe inject some energy that way. Because I mean, like just talking, like Justin has been, like for noting like okay this is a two-way rookie coming in like he's looked really good when he plays and adds an element that they need especially on the glass so sure um it's hard for me to be uh be against expanding the bench out a little bit yeah and then you just kind of form a unit that is just pedal to the metal that's your job and that's what i love about delano banton is that he uh he is constantly pushing the ball and I think he's a person that has you know deserves to get some steady minutes you know game by game mm-hmm. Malachi Flynn um, now that you got that young, who's such a good screener and roller as well, maybe there's something that you can kind of build there as well. They didn't really have that guy, but that, I mean, he's, he's old for sure, but he still has some, has some skill to him and he can probably help the Raptors, um, in the pick and roll situations if they want to roll with that. And again, it's just like kind of getting some steady minutes from your bench players. So that way Pascal and Fred don't have to play as much. Um, I'm okay with, you know, playing your starters a lot of minutes. I think it's, it's kind of it's fine, but uh, as long as you know they're they're ready for it. And Alex McKechnie, um, he's he's well renowned as one of the the better uh, medical staff members, however you want to call it, uh, in the NBA. Um, he prepares uh, all the players to for each game pretty well. Um, but like you said, it's going to catch up to you at some point. And um, it, it's weird to say that's happening right now after like they had ten days off, but. We'll have to see. They got two games coming up here against the Brooklyn Nets, who we're going to talk about in a second. And then, like I said, they got a stretch where it's like Cavaliers, Suns, Nuggets, Clippers, 76ers, Bulls, Cavs. Oh, God, you, Jesus. Uh, yeah, gross. that's going to be a gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, so you got to figure that one out. Let's move on to uh, the rest of the Eastern Conference. And we'll start from the top with the Miami Heat. Overall, um, with some of these some of these teams, we'll just look at some of the strengths and weaknesses and kind of answer some of the questions that are sort of looming for them. So I guess overall, um, your first thoughts on the Miami Heat and where they are this season. Uh, yeah, so this helps because I just did like a breakdown of the Eastern Conference last week um, nice. at work. And I, 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 I'm hesitant to pick a, uh, somebody who I think will come out of the conference right now. But if I had to pick somebody, it would be Miami. Um, I think that they're, they're who I have the least questions about. I still have questions about them, but as Milwaukee's kind of faltered, um, as, uh, you know, some of the teams that I thought would be doing better, haven't been doing better. Um, sure. I mean, Miami's just been pretty rock solid, like Bam out of bio. I'm hesitant to say that he's taken a leap, but just in, in February, 23 and 11 on a really, really darn good efficiency from the floor. He's getting to the line more. The defense has still been incredible. Um, and that's where it starts and ends with me for for Miami. I mean, their defense mm-hmm. is, is ridiculous. Um, like we yeah. saw, it, like first of all, those those two games over the span of a week against Toronto were like basketball bliss. Those were so fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, th- I came into the year very unsure about Miami as a contender because I had real questions about what who was coming into in into play for them after like the sixth man. Um, sure. And they've answered that by just like growing movement shooters out of nowhere, like Max Struess, 40% shooter on a real difficult variety of shots. He's okay mm. defensively, moves the ball. Um, I mean, Gabe Vincent has come in and been like a competent secondary playmaker for them, hitting shots off pull-ups. Like it's been good. Um, Caleb Martin has been awesome. Like yeah. just very good for them. And he's back from injury now. 
Uh, and they like, I don't want to say they've, been, they've benefited from, from injuries. Like both Jimmy and Bam have missed a lot of time this year, but they're back and they're healthy now. And just having everyone together. Um, I, I have questions about their half court offense at the highest levels for sure. But I think they're just kind of in the, well, we have this unit and we're going to rely on Jimmy, Kyle and Bam making things work offensively. Um, but right now, like that, that defense is so hard to, to compete against. They're one of the only teams that I can actually like, like they'll run an all bench unit um, at least once or twice a game. And it, it's a plus right now, which is kind of nuts because they're just not like, it's, I mean, it's kind of like going back to the, the, um, the, the Dwayne Casey Raptors teams, like yeah, those bench lineups were able to carry them for stretches. And um, I just, I have a lot of good things to say about this Miami team. They're really darn good. A lot better than I thought they'd be honestly. Sure. Um, you know, when, when Kyle went there, um, I thought there would be a bit of a, a bit of a shift with their, Yes, with their play-by-play offense, only in the sense that Kyle is such a heady player, so you can really just kind of um, just kind of be a little more random with your offense now, mm-hmm. um, because you make a lot of decisions on the fly, and that's one of his biggest strengths is that you know he doesn't need a, a set offense. He can kind of just like look at the situation, and be like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna run this Spain pick and roll, we're gonna win, run this Chicago action, Jimmy, you know, post up on the block and let's get a bucket. Like he can make those decisions on the fly, and having a player like that who is like truly a floor general, I mean. Toronto fans, we all know, right? Like he's he's exceptional at it. You can, he has the biggest impact in the game, and you look at his his stat line is like six six and six, right? But that's kind of how he is. And uh, actually, you know, Jimmy talked about this a few days ago. Is that uh, it's like when you have players like myself and Kyle and Bam, like three really heady basketball players who are unselfish and just want to win games. Like you kind of just figure it out as you go. Um, and I think there's a degree to that because you look at all those three guys, and only one of them actually hits threes. And that's a weakness where I'm just like, is this going to be a problem for them at some point, you know, down the stretch of games when in the playoffs, when it gets like really physical and the defenses are so locked in, are we going to encounter situations where, you know, Bam has to hit a shot from 15 feet away and it's not going to go in, or he's going to be in a really uncomfortable position or Jimmy, like he's not shooting three still. Sometimes he does. Other times he doesn't, but he's shooting like what, 25, 29% from three. The principles of trying to win in the in the NBA nowadays still exist, right? Where you have to have a decent amount of three point shooting, and you got to have you know great rim protection. And Bam obviously has that covered, like you said. You know he's having a terrific year. And when you have smaller players like uh, I don't know, like Caleb Martin, um, a Tyler Hero, uh, a Duncan Robinson, guys that probably aren't the best one on one defenders, but when you got Bam, who's so mo- mobile and so strong and He's just so active down there. Like he can, he can probably make up for a lot of those deficiencies, but offensively, like you said, half court offense, I'm not, I'm not too sure. That's what kind of makes me go to this question about Victor Lodipo, who's supposed to come back in the next week or two. How important is he, do you think to their championship aspirations? Um, I mean, I think the way things have gone, I can see this team making it to the finals right now. I don't know if I would pick them over any team in the West, but yeah. Um, I think they have the capability to get there, but I think Victor would make, depending on what Victor looks like, I should say, um, would paint my vision in a more positive light. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you can add in someone like him, um, who theoretically adds like three level shot making it less, less about the rim, um, just dependent on, on, again, what he looks like, but, um, a lot will depend on role too. Like there was a stage where like when he was playing in Indiana earlier last year, Victor was good. Like he was playing, that was the best basketball he's played since um, like yeah. the first 20 games of 2018, 19. Um, so, I mean, like the last time he's really looked right. And even then he didn't look fully right. Like he definitely had some new stuff going on as that season started. But um, 
like in Indiana, he was he was good at operating a little bit more off the ball, playing alongside Malcolm Brogdon, mm-hmm. uh, operating with the Monas bonus. And that's part of what I'm excited for with him. Like he hasn't really gotten his burst all the way back, and that's expected. I mean, after the injury he had. Um, and it's been more about his lift at the rim, too. He hasn't had either. But uh, playing alongside somebody like Bam, who's a dynamic screener, can run DHOs with, I think that's really enticing to me. But it's going to be a lot more about can he buy into being – more of an off-ball player who's just attacking off the second side or catching drives and, yeah. um, you know, operating with that. Because last year he was pretty good in Houston without, as long as he was not shooting pull-ups. Like his pull-up was dead. That was a big part of what made him such an effective player in 2017-18. Like he was gunning from, from like 28 feet. He was just pulling up, rising over screens and shooting well on pull-ups. Um, he's always been solid as a pull-up two shooter, not like amazing, but, um, you know, that's that's not something that I think Miami has time to really work into their offense and say, oh, okay, you're somebody who's going to just shoot from pull-ups now. Like, I think they're, yeah. that's obviously going to be part of it, but um, it's all going to be how does that factor in. And defensively, he adds just another element too because last year, I mean, he it, it hurt because Houston fell off defensively his last like week or two there before he got traded. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he was back to playing close to all defense level, in my opinion. Like, his off-ball rotations are awesome. He's never been, like, a massive stopper at the point of attack. That's not what made him all defense in, in 17, 18. Like, he's just really good and yeah. has awesome instincts. Like, I mean, similar to Kyle, he's amazing rotating as a low man and, and, and taking charges. As frustrating as it can be to watch sometimes, like, he's really good at it. <laughs> Um, that just adds another element. And again, it's all about, you know, finding a theoretical fit with it, but if he can come in and be the, uh, like just a, a, a high level role player, instead of trying to be a star, um, I think that would, that would elevate Miami to a, a, an even higher level than they're at right now. It's kind of sad seeing some players not able to do things yeah. that they used to be able to do. Um, you mentioned his pull-up game. Like that was one of the, the best parts of his game is that he, how would he be able to stop on a dime, pull up and hit a mid-range shot? It was so cool. It was such a dynamic way and very hard to stop. Um, not able to do that now. And maybe he gets back to that point in his career at some point, but, you know, looking at players that you know, return after a long layoff. And I wonder if there's a part of this where what happened with Clay Thompson, that he came back and he was guns blazing, ready to go. Obviously, you know, the shot, you know, took some time to get back, but it seemed to me like he could have come back earlier, but because of how good the Warriors are playing, that they're just like, just chill, right? We'll get there, like, take your time here. And I wonder if part of that was also what's going on with Victor Oladipo, that they're, they're not in a rush, like they're top of the East here. And you just want to make sure he has like, you know, 20, 15 games, something like that, where he's able to acclimate himself to the offense and get into, into some live game situations. Um, but then after that, yeah, it's it's role acceptance. And this is where what Jimmy said is so important is that you're not going to see, you know, Bam and Kyle and Jimmy clamoring for the ball if Victor is cooking for some reason. If they find something that's really working against a team in a playoff matchup and Victor has it going, they're like, just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't stop because we're just trying to win games here. And that is why, you know, Miami is such an interesting team. And then, you know, their bench, like you said, we weren't really sure what they were going to be, how good they were going to be. But then they got all these moving shooters. And I talked about Toronto not having them. And this was a team that came to mind that they have so many. And you don't really have to have a lot of variance to your offense. You can just keep on running the same kind of style because you have so many players that can, you know, catch or shoot off the off the catch and uh, to come off screens and to hit to hit shots. And PJ Tucker, we haven't really talked about him too much yet, but you have someone like him. Yeah, he's older, obviously, but you know what you're going to get from him. And um, he plays a hard nosed brand of basketball. And I think at some point, you know, he's going to be the reason why 
player X isn't going to have a great series because of how well he defends him. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because uh, my friend Nikias Duncan wrote a really great article at the beginning of the year about how, you know, PJ Tucker is doing the most with the ball in his hands that he ever has. And I mean, Spoh's really empowered him to do more with that. They run some, like they'll run some post splits with him. They do yeah. more with the ball in his hands. And part of what's really enticing about that to me is, and not that I think it's going to be something that swings a playoff series, but so often we'll see teams like even just last year, like the Bucks won in spite of this, but there were stretches where like as good as PJ was defensively, like he was an encore minus for them at times because of um, how often defenses could just leave him. Like if he was yeah. not in the corner or even if he was in the corner, they didn't care. Like they were like, okay, cool. We're going to go pack the paint. And um, if you're able to, and like they've shown, like if he's able to, to just make one or two quick decisions, put the ball on the deck for a second and, and then move it, which he'd never really been asked to do before in the NBA, at least not sure. since he was in Phoenix. Um, that adds just another wrinkle that makes it harder to stop in the, in the playoffs. And I think to me, it's like, um, it's a little bit less about Jimmy uh, and Bam from three. Like it's more, how is the pull-up game look from two? Cause even then, like that's been an issue for Jimmy this year too. Like outside of 14 feet, he's like, mm. he's got nothing going from deep uh, from, I mean, may as well, I'm considering deep, like up to the line. Um, I mean, the free throw line. So that's that's just, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But like even then, like going back to the the run that they had, like Jimmy shot like what, like 35, 36% from three in that playoffs on like three or four game. Like, I, I don't know. He's I don't want to just like put money in the bank and be like, oh, he's a playoff competitor. But he does have that aspect to him. Um, yeah. I'm almost more like what does Bam look like in the playoffs? Not that he's bad. Like Bam's a very good player, but. And he can continue to carry this aggression over because they need it. Like there were stretches in that playoff run where I thought they could have used more from him. Uh, even going back to last year, I think it's been mm -hmm. a thing time and time again, where it's like, okay, are you going to transition to this player or is this just going to be a thing that happens from time to time? And yeah, um, this last month has been really encouraging with, with where he could be going as a player, but a lot of it's just going to be, you know, how does it translate in the playoffs as much as I hate deducing it down to that? Like it's definitely, you know, I mean, for where this team is trying to go, it definitely comes down to that to a degree. It does. He's shooting 35% from 10 to 19 feet on three shots per game. So it's not even like part of his, his game at the moment. Um, one of the great things about Kyle is that he's so good at, you know, giving the ball, to players in the position that they're very comfortable. And um, yeah, it's one of the things that made Serge Ibaka so good in that pick and roll that they had uh, the duo that they had is that Serge loved that shot from, from the elbow. And he loved that shot from, from that mid-range spot around the free throw line. And uh, Kyle just kept on feeding him and feeding him and feeding him. And so maybe it, it doesn't matter, right? Like the, the game of wits in a playoff series is so fun to, to see kind of roll out and, uh, and to see how it, uh, how it breaks down. And, you know, the Miami Heat, they got one of the, some of the best chess players in the NBA with Spo and Kyle and even Jimmy too. Like there's just a, there's a headiness to that, to their game that you can't really measure in any way. And uh, their ability to just kind of figure out ways to win games. It's probably one of the things that they have over most teams in the Eastern Conference is that, you know, whether it's like an 80 point game, 120 point game, they just find ways to win. How do they do it? Who knows, but they just find a way. And yeah. Tyler Hero seems to have found uh, his groove. I mean, he was wearing like this like highlighter pink shirt yesterday um, or a couple of days ago. He had these sunglasses on. So, okay, his swag is back. That's great. I'm also, I want to see Victor Oladipo and to see how he, he finds his role within uh, Miami because if he accepts it and they find something that really works for him and the team, that they got something really cooking that's going to be hella, hella fun to watch. Also very fun to watch is the Chicago Bulls, more specifically DeMar DeRozan. 
because his streak ended uh, the other day, but he had an eight game streak where he was getting 35 points per game, which is insane. You know, he was doing things that Wilt Chamberlain is the only person that's done. So very, very fun team. But then on the other side of the coin, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, but they're two and 12 versus teams with uh, 600 plus winning percentages or better. So where are you with the Chicago Bulls? Uh, they're, I don't want to say they're in a similar spot, the same spot as the Raptors. They're in a similar spot though, with having guys out. Um, and I don't yeah. want to belittle it everything to that, but, um, it's hard for me to be super, um, critical of their defense with, I mean, like, as we saw earlier in the year, they were a top 10 defense with Caruso and ball. And obviously their, their, their offense has taken on a whole other stage with them out as they've needed to adjust. Sure. But, um, that's something I'm interested to see is how that plays out when they when they do come back because they are both slated to come back and Patrick Williams is reportedly going to come back sometime too. Um, but like I, I have, I definitely have questions about them in the playoffs. I think a lot of it comes down to as much as I think he's been. I mean, he's been really good lately, Cole Vucevic. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's less about me to, to me. It's less questions about the defense. Like I think Vuce has been fine defensively this year. He does the system. He's he does what he's supposed to. It's been more about like I mentioned, Caruso and Ball. Um, mm-hmm. offensively, can he not just it, not, not only take advantage of the pockets that he gets because of DeMar and, and Zach trying through the ball, can he really just like exploit that? Um, yeah. he's been able to like, you know, on the slow rolls and, and pops from like 10 to 10 to 15 feet in the mid range, but he's got to hit his threes. Like it sounds so trivial, but like that just hasn't been there for him this year after having, you know, like two or three really great shooting years from deep, mm-hmm. uh, I'm hopeful that that will come back for him. Like it's been, again, it's been better. Like, you know, in, in 2022, it's been better, but the last month or so, not as much. Yeah. Um, and I think they really need that from him just to help unclog their offense in some ways. But, uh, and what he does connectively for them is so huge. Like I, I I'm planning on writing something about it sometimes because I do think he's gotten a little bit too much hate this year. Like that offense functions and flows because of how much he touches the ball and the way that he's able to maneuver things similar to like, you know, what the modest bonus does or obviously mm-hmm. not to the same level of Nicole Jokic, but like, you know, in that same vein. Um, but I mean, in a lot of the ways where I have had questions about them, they've, they've answered them. Like Kobe white has been huge this year. He's taken a step defensively. Yeah. Offense has been fantastic. He's looked better in a supporting role and still capable of doing on ball stuff. I mean, Ayo Sumu has been just, I mean, like yeah. one of my favorite players to watch this year. Um, and he just feels like, a guy who as a rookie is going to have it in the playoffs, which it sounds reductive, but like, I don't know, even like watching, um, I'm trying to think of like past Raptors who were rookies in the playoffs, but like, uh, Norm Powell. like yeah, exactly. Oh God. Yeah. Norm, Pacer killer, Norman Powell. Uh, there you go. <laughs> like I, uh, yeah, I just see it with him in the playoffs, but I, I like that interest in Thompson. I don't think he's perfect, but I do think he's an upgrade over Tony Bradley. Like, I don't think that this team necessarily has a, uh, like I, I don't, I wouldn't bet on them to win the title, but I do think they have more of a playoff chance than, than I think people give them credit for. Part of it will probably depend on matchups and, and again, just health. Like if they don't have one of Caruso or Ball, then I'm not there with them as a, as a real contender. But I think mm-hmm. if they are healthy, then I, I do see it with them for sure. You talk about like simple philosophies. Having the best player on the court does matter, and mm-hmm. so if Demar keeps on playing this way, and then you have Zach Levine, who's actually as capable of being like that guy as well, but he's taken a step back as DeMar's on this heater. Um, that matters in a playoff series, you know, game by game. And um, with DeRozan, uh, there's just a few places on the court that he's not comfortable. And he's kind of 
you know, navigated his way through the NBA and uh, he's talked openly about, you know, how beneficial his, his time with the Spurs was. You look at his numbers and it would look like that uh, his career took a step backwards, but um, learning how to be a better playmaker, understanding um, reads and working with Greg Popovich, um, you know, day by day and kind of, you know, picking his brain, a person who's, you know, won championships and somehow some way the Spurs are still finding ways to make things really tough on teams. It just, it's the funniest thing that uh, he's a great coach, right? And so there's a lot of, a lot of knowledge to, to kind of use there. And um, I've enjoyed watching him be so confident in crunch time. And, you know, we talk about playoff games, you know, how they end up going. It's usually some sort of isolation situation. And it's kind of like, you know, is my best player better than your best player? Is he going to be able to get to the spot that he wants to get to versus yours? And DeMar has been very good at that. And he's talked openly about, you know, how comfortable he is in those situations now. And that wasn't always the case, especially in Toronto, but he's talked about his work ethic. And I mean, just look at what he's done. He's one of the best clutch players in the NBA. And so you feel very secure with the ball in his hands that something good's going to come from it. And that matters with Vooch. Yeah. Like he's, I mean, a lot of players probably just get, you know, a bad rap for a few bad games because they're not doing the same numbers that they're, they were doing with the previous team or the previous season, but roles change constantly. And with Vooch, you know, you look at it like it's, he's getting double doubles game by game. He's still doing a great job of protecting the rim and in the ways that he can. It really does come down to, like you talked about, you know, them getting healthy because we haven't seen this team healthy in so long. It's been forever, like really missing Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. <laughs> That perimeter defense is so important and they're just not getting it at the same degree from uh, from the players that they got right now. So I almost want to say I'm less worried about their defense and I'm more worried about um, the trouble their defense can get them into. That makes sense. Like, I, I guess you can't really segment it down like that. But even just in that Memphis game, I mean, they gave up, yeah. I think, what, like three or four offensive rebounds in the last two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't that they were playing terrible defense. It was just, OK, well, the Mars. DeMar did kind of play bad defense, if we're being honest. But, like, uh, I mean, his yeah. defense has been better this year. But still, like, uh, like a lot of the moments where they have troubles because Vooch is out higher, playing closer to the level, um, they have smaller guys on the back line. That's part of where you hope Patrick Williams could come in and help this year. But mm-hmm. um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um. I just think that's going to be a weakness for them, given how they play, unless they really lock into, you know, making sure that guys aren't leaking baseline and coming in to get offensive boards or coming on a 45 cut. Um, Cause that's been an issue for them. Like that's a big reason yeah. for why they're their Their rebounding has been a struggle. Um, and that I like just giving more possessions for your defense to fall apart, especially once, okay, they get the ball in the middle of the floor. That's a, an easy mm-hmm. putback or B they're able to create a rotation right away. So um, 
hasn't been that the defense has been terrible. It's just like, okay, if you keep giving people opportunities to, to beat your ass, it's going to happen eventually. So sure. um, like, yeah. that's how it feels watching them, especially in that Memphis game. It'd be great for them to have Lonzo Ball and Oscar Russo, but it doesn't really address the other issues that yeah. they are a little bit small in the middle of the court, you know, Damar and, and Zach Levine are great, but then outside of that, like they run a lot of smaller players out there and that could end up biting you in the new, you know what, um, in the playoffs for sure. Let's move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers who have no issues with size, zero issues with size. They have all kinds of size. <laughs> Hasn't been an issue all season. Raptors are going small, big ball. They're like, no, we're going to go completely big ball. They got a whole new culture. JB Bickerstaff has done a terrific job with that team. Just kind of getting them to, um, yeah, it's a culture change. That's what it is. They, they just, they're really thriving and they love playing together and they're competing and all the injuries they have right now. I mean, geez, they lost Darius Garland and probably many thought that uh, things were going to kind of go sideways a little bit for them, but, oh, sorry. They lost Colin Sexton. I mean, not Darius Garland. Um, but then after that, you know, they've continued to just find ways to win games. Evan Mobley talked about him earlier. And at the moment they got Karis Leverts out, uh, Rajon Rondo's out and Darius Garland is having some back issues. So, We'll see when he returns, but he's probably the person who's going to return the soonest of the three. But we saw in that uh, the previous game that they just had, um, they keep on finding ways to win games. I don't know how they do it. Um, they got smalls playing large. They got bigs playing point guards. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Cleveland Cavaliers? Very fun team. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I, I, I mean, I cover the Cavs too, and I don't, I don't even have a lot to say about them other than I just need to see what happens in the playoffs, uh, yeah. to a degree because I don't know how to quantify this team. Like, like you mentioned, I mean, D- Darius isn't the one who went down, but like he is. I mean, he's been out. He's only played three games in February, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of that. I mean, he's dealing with. I think it's like a lower back back spasms, back injury. I can't remember, but. Yeah. Um, They've still found ways to win. Like they're playing slightly above 500 still in February. They've, like you mentioned, I mean, they've just kind of dealt with everything. Ricky Rubio going down, Colin going down at the beginning of the year. They've kept playing well. They keep making it work. They have are like my favorite team to watch in the league this year. Their vibes are just awesome. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I think a lot of times, uh, like other friends of mine that are analysts, they'll bring up like, oh, well, you know, how are they going to adapt to teams in the playoffs? And I, I kind of like run counter to that too. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But as we've seen throughout the year, how do other teams adapt to them? Like it is really hard to play against. Like I think some people will conflate it to just, oh, they have size and that's how they make it work. They just play three big guys and bully people. Like quite the contrary. Like, yeah, they can bully people at times, but a lot of it's just really – intuitive quick play like their their offense isn't great but i think it's almost better than the numbers indicate at times not when when darius is off the floor missing like their offense falls apart but um like once the ball gets moving they're good at at just at keeping it going and like the big to big passing that they have like we've seen it give toronto problems we've seen it give like every team problems just because you're not used to seeing or having three guys six eleven or taller who are capable of moving the ball between each other. Like it sounds mm-hmm. rudimentary, but that's just not a basic thing. Like mm-hmm. having three guys who are all really skilled playing their positions with that size makes it really hard. They can like, they have the ability to kind of bend the court to their dimensions, however they want to play. And I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what that looks like in the playoffs. Like I, I don't, I would not pick them to be a real contender, but I do think if things go right for them and they are relatively healthy, like, especially like, I don't think Darius can miss time for them at all, but um they're, they're not a team I would want to face in the playoffs because I, I do think they're going to end up with home court advantage, it feels like, um, yeah. or it's it's trending in that way. It depends on, on again, on Darius's health and how things go with the other teams. But um, 
they have an outside shot at, at, at making it to the second round, in my opinion. Hmm. Talking about like stars in their role, Isaac Okoro is one person who is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know you you love him. And uh, the other day, uh, Baker Staff is starting to give um, players a junkyard dog award um, game by game. And I believe he got one of the first ones because of the way he plays. And it's not always about, you know, you know, putting the ball in the hoop. It's about doing everything that the coaching staff is asking of you. It's challenging shots. It's battling through screens. It's making the extra rotation. And he's giving that award to someone every single game. And that kind of shows you like the culture that he's putting in place is that it's about hard work. It's about, you know, doing what's asked of you. It's about um, just competing harder than the other team that you're up against. And in a lot of nights, you know, that is going to take you pretty far. And the Cavaliers, um, that they've done that. They've been one of the hardest working teams in the NBA. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, players that they brought in. Um, Rajon Rondo, it was kind of cool a few weeks ago. Uh, Darius Garland was telling a story of Rondo bringing him back to the, to the back of the bus. And they just went through film together. Um, it's like little things like that that really make a team more cohesive and that you want to battle together and um, win together. And uh, with them now, I, I wonder... I wonder how a team like the Nets, for instance, how they could pose challenges to them. And we'll get to the Nets in a little bit, but teams that have a really elite guard play, because that's where you look at, you know, you have a big player versus a smaller player. How is that kind of balance each other out? Um, that would be a team that I'm curious how they go up against with, you know, a Kyrie and a Seth Curry, even to some degree, like players that can get to the rim, that can, that can hit shots. And you're going to get your big guys, like they got to get really mobile and they're good at that. But then what about when you, face a team that is like exceptional at it that could be a position where they get a little bit uh, reluctant and they get run into some issues but in the end it's been very very good so far this season and if they were healthy like truly healthy like Karis Levert's another player that they're missing right now he's a great defensive player he's going to be one of their you know top uh, isolation players I would imagine because of his ability to score from different levels of the court and different spots so yeah um very fun team uh, I'm interested to see what happens with Karras, um, just offensively, because he has, uh, especially, you know, watching him in Indiana, uh, not that he's a bad offensive player, but I mean, he's a very good offensive player when he has it going. But yeah. um, I've been encouraged by some of his play in Cleveland. I think he's been a little bit better moving the ball in the way that he is doing it, because he's a good pick and roll creator, but he can kind of grenade passes sometimes where it's not like a super proactive pass. Like sometimes it can just be like, you know, quick drop offs after his, uh, his scoring opportunity or scoring window diminishes. Um, you know, can he really factor in more as a playmaker? He's not a good catch and shoot three point shooter. Like he never has been in his career. Oh. I think he has one, one year at league average shooting at, from, from deep as a catch and shoot player. Like mostly it's off the dribble or bust, mm -hmm. um, which just kind of runs counter to a lot of what the Cavs need. But I mean, just factoring in like, okay, it was, it was him or Brandon Goodwin. So I, I do, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that, his level of play and the way that he's able to to build chemistry with those guys is what is going to change up that uh, kind of their window this year, um, in my opinion. And it's just going to, you know, I, I'm probably not assigning him defensively, but he can, again, he's better than Brandon Goodwin. So we'll see how it is. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what they look like. Should be a, a fun one for them. Um, at least at, at the very least, I mean, they're a much better team. I was looking at like their year by year defensive stats and mm -hmm. past like four or five years, Teams are shooting like 49% against them, like 49, 48, 49, and this year, 44. So yeah, weren't they, they were the worst defensive team of all time, like two or three years ago, or it was right go. around there because I think the Wizards took it from them that year. But um, yeah, the turnaround has been awesome to watch. And Evan yeah. Mobley is just like, 
I goddamn, he's so good. I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep swearing. He's, he's no, it's okay, he's it's okay. So he's he, he's a person you would swear about how good he is. You, <laughs> yeah. can, you can you can dish about Evan Mobley for a little second if you'd like. No problem. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the I mean, he has an outside outside shot at, at defensive player of the year. I don't think he's gonna get it, but um, he'd be on my short list, and especially with Draymond missing time, um. I think it's possible, man. And the way things have gone in Utah, I'm not sure that I like. I'm sure Rudy, Rudy Gobert would be sold me on my ballot, but just for fun, like I, I do think that that Evan has a he, he would be on the ballot for me right now. Yeah, and just Jared Allen, he just keeps on finding ways to improve himself. Obviously, it's a little bit easier at his height and his athletic ability. But I mean, you talk about being stars in your roles and players that just excel at the small things. He is that guy, and just the amount of the rim protection, the offensive rebounding. He's so good at it. And yeah, just pick and roll defense, pick and roll offense, roll into the basket. He's a he's a tough one to really manage. And I'm happy he got to the all-star game. I think players kind of they really tend to get a little bit flashy at the all-star weekend. And he decided to go a different route. He went as Uncle Phil comfortable man. Shout out Fresh yeah. Prince. He decided to go that route and he got some flack for it. But hey man, do you, right? If you're comfortable and a vest and got your your Blackberry, whatever the hell he he owns, it's okay. Just keep on doing you. Right. It's got you this far. So no problem. Uh, where are we off to now? Let's talk Philly. Let's talk Philly because, um, well, yeah, they had the, the trade that uh, kind of shook the NBA a little bit. And it seems like James Harden is really happy in, in Philly. It's like one of those rumors that just wouldn't go away is that James Harden is going to Philly. Just kept on hearing it nonstop. Katie's like, no, we're good. James Harden's like, I'm happy in, in Brooklyn. And then here we are. Where we got that legendary piece from, I believe it was uh, Ramona Sherborne or was it Brian Windhorst, whoever it was. And we got some details about, uh, sorry, no, it was uh, Jake Fisher. That's who it was. Who had the, the piece that kind of revealed some of the, the unrest that was going on in the, the Nets locker room and uh, how Harden wasn't really happy with his role and how he wanted more. He wanted to run a certain, a certain kind of style that was more similar to his Houston days. And Brooklyn's like, eh, we're not going to do that. But here he is in Philly. He's doing that. Um, he's definitely, you know, one of the primary ball handlers. And he loves that idea of, you know, having a big, like, you know, back then it was a Clint Capella, but now he has a, a Joel Embiid, who is a major upgrade. And you got shooters kind of all around them. What were your thoughts so far on the, the two-game sample size of that pick-and-roll combination? Well, I like what you said about shooters all around them, because I think that's been a like a trope this year that, Philly doesn't have shooters or something like that. It's been a yeah. lot more about playmaking to me. Like they just don't have a lot of playmaking, even when, you know, they were all together and healthy. Like obviously Ben was out and that's part of it, but um, like they've, this is like one of the better shooting rosters. I think that they, they've had in Philadelphia, like at George mm-hmm. and Yang off the bench, like it, it's such a small thing to lead off with, but like George and Yang is the kind of player that they have missed the last couple of years. Like just having somebody who can come off the bench, not get absolutely killed on defense, move the ball, and hit his threes off, you know, at, at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's been huge for them. You're seeing that more like just, it, 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 I feel like they're going to, uh, I, I can't remember the the number of threes. They took like 40 in the first game. It was close. There was like half their shots were from three. It's not going to yeah. be that drastic moving forward, but like you could see how much they were just getting to the rim, getting to the paint and getting the ball swinging, getting open shots because of the gravity that they had drawing everything. Like the pick and roll game looks really good. That got way overblown at the beginning. You know, when everyone's like, oh, how are they going to play together? I'm like, dude, you're you're adding a top – if you're being liberal, you're adding a like a top 15 player to, to a guy who's in the top three for MVP right now. Like 
they'll figure it out. Regardless, it's better than, okay, you're playing James Harden over like Seth Curry. Like I love Seth Curry. I think he's been really good and they, they're going to miss him in, in some ways, but like, I'm encouraged, man. They looked so good in that game. I, I, I didn't want to get too excited about the Wolves game just because the Wolves defense has really fallen off. And they play a brand of defense that's like perfect for showcasing somebody who can pick apart two to the ball like James Harden can. Um, so it looked great in that game. Against the Knicks yesterday, like even better. Um, so, so nice. And I think it's more just with Joel. Like, it, yes, he's slower rolling to the rim. He's not really a lob threat or like he can be, but that's not his thing. Um, like he's an elite mid-range shooter. He's an elite shooter from anywhere. It just adds more variation to what they can do. Um, and even if he does catch the ball and he's rolling through him, okay, well, you're going to foul him. Like, and I'm tired of like the, everybody like freaks out and calls them foul merchants. Like, I, yes, there's, there's certainly grift to their game, but also, okay, if Joel Embiid is rolling to the rim, what else are you going to do? Like, yeah. okay, or you can just yell at your guy and say, don't foul him. But like, what is, Jericho Sims yesterday was in, in hell. Like, I actually <laughs> thought he played some decent minutes, but um I mean, it's Joel Embiid, man. Like, he's been that good this year. And just, like, you don't have guys who are seven foot one, seven foot two who can take you off the bounce from 25 feet or post up from 16 and face up and, and just do everything that he can. Like, it's just mm-hmm. – why do you think he gets fouled this much? It's not just because the refs want to give him a good whistle. Like, yes, there is certainly a foul-baiting portion of the game that factors in for him. But, like, he's just good. He's so good. Um, I, I mean – I don't again, I don't want to overreact to two games, but uh they look like they have it out. Like if 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 Miami falls off at all and Philly just like really powers ahead, I would not be shocked if they end up taking the one seed. Um, because they look good. They look so good. And defensively, too, like it's not like Harden's amazing defensively, but he's he was he's at least been pretty engaged off ball, like a lot better than he looked at, at all in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um <laughs> and it just I'm I'm really encouraged by them. Conserving his energy for the stretch drive. That's what he was doing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly what he was doing. I, I love uh, that pick and roll between those two. I mean, like you said, it's it's odd to think that, you know, why wouldn't two players who are exceptionally good, who can score from virtually anywhere on the court, why wouldn't they be good in a pick and roll situation when one of them is seven feet taller, seven two or whatever it was. Um, against the Knicks, they're running a lot of that Chicago action where it was, you know, Joel Embiid rolling to the basket. You had uh, Tobias Harris flaring out. And I mean, what were you, what are you going to do in that situation? Like Tobias Harris, he's become more of a spot up shooter since Harden got there. I mean, over, it's only two game sample size, but he's not having the ball in his hands as nearly as much because it's in James Harden's hand. And I mean, that's just a better spot for it to be. But in a situation like that, and B is going to the basket, you got James Harden who can score anywhere on the court. He's a terrific pick and roll player. Then you have Tobias Harris, who is going to be flowing into the three point line, pretty good three point shooter. Like what is, what is it? What are your options? And the option is that you're pretty much dead. That's kind of what it is. There really isn't a, a defense that's going to scheme for it. And if it comes down to, okay, you're going to clog the paint or something, well, guess what? There's two other shooters out there somewhere that James Harden's going to find. Over the first two games, 59 free throws. You alluded to free throws. 59 free throws in the first two games with those two that ranked seventh in the NBA. We're not talking the 76ers. We're talking James Harden and Dwell Embiid. 59 free throws over the first two games, and that ranks seventh in the NBA. They're pushing the ball a little bit more, it seems like, 20.5 fast break points per game um, on the season. 
they average 12.7. So they're pushing the ball a lot more, and that's going to make room for Tyrese Maxey, um, one player who has seen his offense exponentially increase uh, since James Harden got there. A lot more fast break opportunities, um, a lot more space for him to operate. And when you give him space, I mean, maybe not so much in the, what was it, the, the, the clutch challenge with Scotty Barnes. Things didn't go as well, but usually when you give him some space, he's going to be able to make some really good th- things happen for the offense. They got Paul Millsap too. Um, person who wanted some more playing time and it wasn't really working out in, in Brooklyn, but with, uh, with 76ers, he's got a role, you know, 14, 15 minutes. Um, you could see him being one, the, probably the, uh, the pick and roll option for James. If they want to, you know, go to a, a more of an all bench lineup with like um, Danny green and just, you know, go cork must, you know, just go down the line. You have shooters around there. you got Paul Millsap. You can kind of roll. He can, it's got a bit of a, a pop out game to him. And so you're opening up more options for consistent scoring quarter by quarter. Um, and defensively, I mean, your thoughts on Matias Tybal, because I, I like that he's able to be a bigger part of their team now that they have a point guard who can shoot. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it really helps because making him the only non-shooter on the floor, um, like even just in the game yesterday and, and against the Wolves, I think we saw him being used as a screener a lot more. Um, which I like because, um, you know, overall, I felt like that offense just had a lot more flow to it. Like, yeah, it, it, I mean, part of it might be having more time to game plan. I don't know, but um, I was encouraged by it um, because if you can use him as a screen more, you can maybe do some more stuff, getting him going towards the rim. And he's honestly like a decent passer. Like as long as he doesn't have to put the ball on the floor, he's a good passer. Like I think as a standstill guy, he's fine. Maybe if he has, you know, catch the ball in one move, he's good. Um, but defensively, like he's getting a bigger, like, I don't want to say bigger role. He's, he was still playing a lot, um, pre-trade, but I think, um, you know, he's going, he's going to be tasked with doing a little bit more on the perimeter defensively. Like they're, they're going to need more from him. I should say, um, a lot's going to depend on like, okay, can he do enough to fill in the cracks offensively? And I think he will be able to, but, um, I mean, yeah, he's a really, interesting part for them especially when it comes to the playoffs because if they are having trouble with with the perimeter option like he's going to be the guy they have to go to like they don't they have a lot of um like forwards who who can slot in and play the three four but really i mean matisse is probably the only guy i want guarding but like you know the, the the best wing scorer on the other team like who okay i mean like danny green can can play up and, and play yeah. on some but he hasn't been that guy this year. he's really struggled with injury He's been very slow. Um, he's just he's not there. I mean, so Matisse, a lot is kind of riding on his shoulders. And I, I don't I don't want to like overcomplicate things, but like he's really important for them in, in what they them hitting their highest outcomes, I should say. Definitely. And that's why I find him so intriguing is that he's finally able to get a more, I guess, more playing time because with Ben, they just this wasn't there. You couldn't have two guys who couldn't shoot the ball um, on the court together. Um, it just doesn't really work. You're like, there's no spacing. It's going to obviously go, uh, go sell three at some point, but now with this, and I do see him, he's shooting a bit more threes like over the mm-hmm. past little while. And his shot doesn't look that bad. I mean, to me, I mean, it's just my opinion, but it doesn't look too bad. And if he's able to, you know, over the past next few weeks, you know, work on that shot, um, get some stability there, then that's going to open up the court even more. And, you know, where he goes, down the stretch of games when, um, you know, teams are going to be game planning, wanting to give him a, a shot more so than James Harden and Joel Embiid. Where does he go on the court? Is it the dunker spot? Is it corner three? How does he perform in those situations? Is he going to be a liability? Um, are there do some like, you know, offense 
defense, you know, lineup substitutions, who knows, like those are all options when it comes down to the stretch of a game, but he's going to have a, he's got some potential for sure to be a, a huge factor for them. Um, just because defensively, if you can take pressure off Joel Embiid and James Harden on that end of the court, they're going to be that much better on offense. And that is where you're going to win your games. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that looks like they could actually win themselves a championship if things go according to plan? No, I think that's all I got on, on them right now. Milwaukee Bucks. That's another another team that has uh, been up and down this season. They haven't had Brooke Lopez virtually all year, and they really missed his rim protection. Um, it's put a lot more pressure on Giannis. Um, Bobby Portis is a player that's been tasked with being more of a rim protector and kind of an do-it-all big man that's um, had up and down results, but uh, I'm sure they're looking to kind of start cooking as they head down the stretch of the season. Where do you think they are um, in their season? And I guess what weaknesses do you see um, for them at the moment? Uh, their defense for me right now has been pretty underwhelming. They're 24th in defense in February. Um, and that's kind of been a slide that's been going on in just in 2022 in general. Um, I mean, as if that was like, I don't want to be unfair. Injuries have definitely played a part, but they've really missed Brooke, like you're mentioning. I think, and it, some people will point to Giannis. I still think Giannis has like a good case for defensive player of the year. He's been that good. Yeah, he's had to play the five more. He's playing way more in drop than he ever has. And he's looked good doing it. But the issue has been they're, they're not as good at stopping the ball. I think they have in some ways really missed PJ Tucker more than I expected. Um, everyone who they thought could maybe come in and be like a, a facsimile of PJ Tucker has not worked out for them. Um, and it, it's been rough. Like they, especially with how much they've had to play Bobby Portis. Um, like he's not a guy you can just traditionally drop down because he's, he's very below the rim. He's not really a shot blocker. He's not somebody who's going to bother shots all that much. He is mm -hmm. active and can kind of play closer to the level on the perimeter. But um, I mean, it just makes it a little bit harder for what they're trying to do. Like, uh, their, their defense just falling apart. And especially, too, like, they've been very automatic in how they send two to the ball, too. And I really don't like it. It's part of it. I get it, like, in terms of, you know, like, with, with Dante being in and out before they traded him. Yeah. Um, Pat Connaughton is more of an off-ball defender than an on-ball defender. Like, you can't – I mean, Drew can't just defend everything for you. Like, and he's been very good defensively this year, but um, – it's just hard. Like, I, I don't I don't know how to completely pinpoint everything, but like not having Giannis roaming and able to really muck things up off the ball has just kind of taken a lot of potency out of their defense, in my opinion. Like he's still again, he's still been very, very good at what he's doing yeah. and one of the top defensive players in the league. But not having someone who can just be solid. And I mean, that's under underselling Brooke Lopez. Like Brooke is a very good defender, but not having that size and that ability to have Giannis be Giannis off the ball mm -hmm. has just really damaged their defense, in my opinion. Um, part of it too, like they're just their rotations, everything have not been good. Like the, the couple games they played before the All Star break were pretty lackluster. Um, I mean, I I, I don't want to undersell them because they, like when they have Drew and Chris and Giannis all together, they're still really good. And when they're all on the court, they're really good. Um, their rotation will tighten enough uh, up in the playoffs, but. Even then, like it's been pretty, uh, um, pretty discouraging to see how uh, how their defense has played. Um, but yeah. again, like Giannis just taking another step. Like just in February, thirty three points, twelve rebounds, seven assists, uh, like 61, 42, 74 splits. Like he's gotten more comfortable 
as a pull-up guy from mid-range. And it sounds minor to shoot. I think he's shooting like 37 or 38% on four or five a game on pull-up twos. And it sounds minor, but it, that's, that is good enough. And with volume and non-hesitation, that defenses have to guard him out there. They can't just give him a, a runway, which you don't want to either way. But like the pacing he's added in the half court for a player his size who can handle like that is just nuts. Like it is kind of insane. And he becomes even closer to breaking basketball every game, it feels like. But, um, and that's yeah. just like in spite of it, like the Bucks just are kind of average right now or have been for a little bit. But, um, I still believe in them as a as a as a real contender, but it's I have more questions as the season goes on for sure. Yeah, there's no word on Brooke either. Like they're not even saying anything, which is kind of scary. And with the Victor Oladipo, we talked about, you know, you're gonna miss so much time. What kind of player are you gonna be? Even like Alonzo Ball, right? What kind of player are you gonna be when you return? Because naturally you're gonna need some time to get acclimated to NBA game speed, um, just your body getting healthy. Um, getting ready for like NBA minutes. It's not the same as any kind of practice. And so granted, you know, Brooke, he's not going to be asked to, you know, play 30 minutes. Like it's going to be a little bit matchup based. We saw against the Suns last year where, you know, his, he became actually a bit of a liability because of how the Suns were exposing him. And they're going to get to those times um, in, in the playoffs, but there will be times where they need a rim protector and they brought in Serge Ibaka. And I, I wonder if they're thinking that, Hey, can we, can he do something similar to Brooke? Maybe not the same level, but could he at least let Giannis go back to being more of a roamer? Because now that Giannis is your rim protector, there's no other roamer. And that is a big part of their defense, right? His just ability to impose his will and to be just a distraction and be physical off the ball and to, you know, grab those, Offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, muck up driving lanes. He was the person who did that because he's so freaking long. <laughs> so they don't have a person doing that. It's not going to be Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton. Supposed to be back at some point. Um, who knows when, but he's another serviceable player off the bench that was solid for them in the playoff run uh, last year. They're bringing in Tyreek Evans for um, a tryout of some sort. I guess they're looking to get a little bit more uh, playmaking ability on the perimeter. And, you know, they probably could use some of that with the, uh, Drew Holiday, you know, he's been good this year, but having more playmaking is never a bad thing. And I'm curious how things go. Obviously, like you said, it's uh, it's a lot about their defense and if they're able to return to that level that they once had. And we're not sure if they're going to be able to do that because Brooke Lopez, they don't have a replacement for him. They tried Greg Monroe. That didn't really work out. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of where they're at. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I'm hopeful with Serge. Um, I haven't watched the Bucks after the All Star break. Yet. I need to catch up on the on the Brooklyn game, but um, like they've been trying to play him and drop, but they were also playing him and Portis together. Um, it's yeah. just been it's been funky, man. Like part of it again, I don't want to be unfair. Injuries have played a part, but uh, yeah, uh, I definitely a team I need to follow very closely as the as the season winds down because I don't have a great feel on where they're at right now. No, we're looking at the other teams in the NBA or in the Easter Conference, uh, Miami, uh, Brooklyn, and we're going to talk about in a second, Philly, teams that are kind of finding their stride. And then you have the Milwaukee Bucks, who are kind of limping throughout this season to some degree. And it's kind of a bit of a championship hangover. I'm sure that is part of it. It's very natural. Um, but now they got to find their new groove and they got to find their defensive capabilities. Wrapping this up now with the Brooklyn Nets the other team in that James Harden trade. And I'm curious how you feel Ben Simmons is going to fit. We haven't seen him yet. Um, men mentally, it seems like he's in a pretty good spot. And uh, we're not really sure when he's going to be coming back. We were all kind of curious, like, why isn't he playing? He's been resting for so long. Why isn't he on the court? Then we learned that he's having some back issues. Oh, 
okay, which has kind of put his uh, his play in that Philly game in a few weeks, I believe it's next week, um, in question. So he may not be back for that. But in the end, we kind of know what Ben Simmons is, and I guess he is working on his jumper. There's been some footage seen of him working with Kyle Korver on his jumper. Pretty good start. But if, if we're looking at what Ben Simmons was when he was playing with Philly last season, um, how do you think he fits best with Brooklyn? Um, good question. Uh, not as a small ball five. I always hear that. And like Ben has never been good at the five. Like maybe, yeah. it, maybe it'll happen. Who knows? But like to this point, I just don't think there's anything to go off with that. Um, like ideally, um, you know, he's operating as a four who's going to press on the break, get them going in early offense and really sell out to, to be awesome for them defensively. But then again, you have some of the same issues in the half court. Okay. How does this look with, with him in the half court? How are you, is he just going to be roaming in the dunker spot? Okay. Well, what does that mean if he's on the court with Andre Drummond and, or if he's playing out there with LaMarcus Aldridge, like the spacing is going to be cramped. Like LaMarcus is good. Like he can, he can play out to three, but for the most part, he likes to slow roll to 18 and he's yeah. not popping. I think he's only he's shooting one, three games. He's still been like, again, he's been very good this year, but like just in terms of looking at court dimensions and everything, it's wonky. Are you playing with Bruce Brown? Okay, well, Bruce Brown theoretically is going to be in that same role that, that Ben is playing in as somebody who is screening and rolling and doing more for you from there. Like, that's what I hope Ben will be doing. I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure. Like, I don't imagine him getting a ton of the mid-post, high-post touches that he got in Philadelphia. Like, maybe they try and do run – like, I mean, stuff that I'd love to see, like run more snug pick and roll with him or have him just doing more – like using using Kyrie and Kevin Durant as screeners for him is really interesting too in terms of trying to create easier looks and, and find other ways for him to get downhill. But it's just going to depend, man. Uh, yeah. Like their roster is so wonky to me. And I've written about this a couple times this year because um, like it's felt like Steve Nash has tried to find a different iteration of this team every game. Like mm-hmm. the lineups – I think they are second. Last time I checked, they were second in the NBA in in, in starting lineups tried, um, and I don't think that's really changed up much. Like they've yeah. obviously, I mean, they have Seth and, and Andre Drummond in the starting lineup now, and they've looked good. And I think that part of that part of the reason I like that trade for them is getting those two guys added some stability to their lineups. You have two guys you know are capable rotation players, um, but I just wonder what they're getting from the rest of everybody. Like. Kessler Edwards minutes have been demoted a little bit since the trade. I don't like that because I think he's their only real defender who can who can shoot, move off the ball, and and pass. Well, also yeah. like again, not getting killed on defense, and that's a problem. Like they have a lot of useful players, but guys who can be used together is where you start scratching your head a little bit. Um, I I mean I Kevin Durant is amazing. He's been an MVP caliber player. Kyrie's looked really good when he's healthy. It looks like he's going to get to play every game now regardless of how I feel about that or what anybody else feels about it. That's, that's where we're headed towards. Um, I, I mean, Joe Harris, potentially, I don't know what, what's up with that. Like he's potentially getting a second surgery. I don't know if he did get the second surgery, regardless that that pushed his time for him out. I just have so many questions about this team, even when they are healthy. Like again, like the Ben question is very big. Like what does he look like in the half court? Um, they're still a contender, but to me, like even compared to Milwaukee, I have way more questions about this Brooklyn team and what they can actually look like. Um, I didn't mean to like, like again, I don't mean to be unfair to them, but there's just like I I'm kind of just in the I have no idea what to make of them right now. Um, because we haven't I mean we haven't got to see them together yet. It's just weird. 
Yeah, definitely. And just on the on Kyrie Irving, because I wanted to talk about that. Um, there are some new laws being put in place in New York, but it still seems like Kyrie will not be able to play. He will be able to attend games, um, but he's still... Okay, yeah. I fudged that. That is my bad. Yeah, all good. No, it's all good, um, because I think we're all kind of waiting for that news. And uh, this is coming out kind of today, actually, that he won't be able to play still because of uh, it's due to like the city workplace vaccine mandate. Um, so he still can't. And what's funny, and maybe he was anticipating being able to play because he had said a little while, I think it was like through IG or something like that. He's like, just watch us in the, in the second half of the season. I was like, bro, you are going to be watching. You're not going to be playing. <laughs> like, that's where we're at because you're not going to be able to play. You're not getting vaccinated and he can't be on the court. He looked great against the Bucks on the road, but I mean, I would imagine, I think that this is going to probably be okay come playoff time, right? I think, but that also means that, hey, guess what? Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving haven't played together. Practice, okay, cool, but they haven't played together. And that's one of the biggest questions like we're talking about is what this, what is this going to look like? Because you have you know, a player like Ben who can do some things, not all things. He does some things really, really well as a playmaker. You know, you're talking sh- short roles, being a, a screener. That probably is one of the best ways to use Ben. And, you know, he's chilling out in the dunker spot. Cool. Push, push, push the ball down the court. That is a great way to use Ben Simmons. But now you have some centers who can't really hit threes. Uh, the spacing is going to be very, very wonky. Kevin Durant and Kyrie can fix a lot of things, but when they're not going to have time to actually play together, that's where I have a lot of questions about what they're going to look like. I mean, and also, they don't have a lot of forward depth either. I mean, I think they've kind of traded a lot of those players away or they aren't really bringing them around. But, I mean, they got like a Blake Griffin, they got Andre Drummond, they got LaMarcus Aldridge, great. You got Goran Dragic, you got Patty Mills, you got Kyrie Irving, cool. But, like, outside of that, what do you have? Like, you're really relying a lot on Bruce Brown. And I'm not sure if that's a recipe for success. Maybe it is. Maybe he has a, an unbelievable year and things look really, really well, good for them. But I just don't see a lot of depth there. And James Johnson has been up and down. That's another name that we could kind of throw out there. But there's definitely a deficiency in the middle part of the court to some degree. Um, and I, I guess they're hoping that, you know, Kevin Durant, he's not opposed to playing 58 minutes a game. He showed us that last season. And Steve Nash is not opposed to throwing him out there 58 game or 58 minutes in a game. Maybe that's what we're kind of heading towards. But yeah, a lot of questions there. And I just don't see how they're going to be able to address it because they're not going to be together. You know? Yeah. No, exactly. Um, any other closing thoughts on uh, on uh, the Eastern Conference? Do you want to talk a little uh, Hornets, Hawks, anything that pops out to you for those teams? Because they're obviously looking to get in that top six as well. I don't believe in them as top six teams. So I will, I will push <laughs> off on them. I will say Boston. Um, I believe in Boston. Oh, geez. I you forgot about Boston. My bad. No, you're good. I skipped them. Um, I skipped well, them hey, I mean, I think it's Boston. fair. After after getting canned by the Pacers by 21 last night, it's almost fair to, fair to skip them. I bet um, you loved that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Uh, I'll take it. Um, and he, a, a win's a win. Yeah. Um, I mean, this team, like, they've – it's hard to talk about them after watching last night. Like, their defense – they've had the best defense in 2022 by a wide margin – um that did not happen or fall through last night i think they were coming in off a of back-to-back though just to be fair um sure but like jason tatum has been incredibly good jalen brown's been really good marcus smart is playing the best basketball of his career as a playmaker an actual lead mm-hmm. ball handler that's really organizing things for them in the half court and that's been huge for them um robert williams has been really good defensively like al horford is 
getting up there, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. He's still been good, but like he hasn't been like I thought he was a very good beginning of the season, and he's sure. um, looked a little bit worse for for wear recently. But Derek White was such a big ad for them. I've loved his what he's done for them. Like you can check his box score; doesn't look great, but um, just as somebody who helps connect things and keeps the ball moving and really helps the offense flow, I think he's been huge. Um, and obviously defensively, like I think he'd make an all defense team for me this year. So um, yeah, yeah, I've been I. I'm not ready to put them in the their uh like dead set contender, but they they have an outside shot at making the conference finals. They've been that good this year. Um, the last two times that they had um a top ten defense, they they made the conference finals. So um, they're on track to do it again. Who knows? And I think this is the best offense they've had in in that span too. And yeah. again, not the offense is great, but they still have questions there. But um, I buy Boston uh, for sure if they're able to keep playing with they have defensively maybe to a raptor fan to forget about the boston celtics that's what <laughs> kind of happened there um yeah i mean i i fully agree like they uh, when it comes to best uh, opponent field goal percentage inside uh five feet to the basket like they're the best in the nba so they've clearly made a um a real concerted effort to protect the paint and um that they, they got the players for it like you got time lord jalen brown uh jason tatum marcus smart they should be a good defensive team, you would think, right? And um, kind of working through what they're we're going to be going forward. Derek White, like you said, was a great pickup. They've kind of mastered the art of having like four guys. I got like four plus assists because they have so many playmakers. And, you know, to the credit of Jalen Brown and, and Tatum, they've been criticized earlier on this season for, you know, kind of being chuckers a little bit. Granted, they're exceptional offensive players, but, you know, it's a team game. Again, a cliche, but... They had to spread the ball around a little bit. And, um, you know, a person like Peyton Pritchard, another person that can come in and just hit threes. He's getting some playing time recently. We'll see how long uh, that lasts for. But in the end, Grant Williams, these are guys that are coming in and they're able to hit shots when they're being asked to do it. And um, they got a really nice flow with their their lineup. It seems like they got a lot of size. Um, They got some point guard depth to some degree because um, uh, a few different players are handling the ball. They brought in Daniel Tice again. Um, serviceable big man who's going to not make mistakes as much. Um, that's a good team. And I believe 538 actually had them to win the Eastern Conference heading into the All-Star break. They were very high on, on them and because of you know, the streak that they've played. So they've been very good and uh, they got the shot makers. So they're going to be a tough out for anyone. How, how it you know, translates to the playoffs. It's a lot of this is going to kind of fall on Al Horford to some degree, because I think they need him to continue that play or find that level of play that he had earlier on the season. And, you know, maybe just needs a little bit of rest. He's an old man. He had some rest last season. Sam Presti helped him out, had him on the OKC bench for quite some time, not even on the bench. He was just chilling out. He wasn't even with the team. Um, so I'm sure that kind of helped the longevity of his career a little bit, but they need him to find that level again. And that could be, that could be a huge factor in their success this season, assuming that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are able to continue to be, you know, the 20 point per game players and Robert Williams continue to continues to do um, what he's doing as a, as a shot blocker and rim protector. Another fun team. That's why we're talking about this Eastern conference, man, is that there are a lot of really good teams, a lot of good teams. Um, and I'm not sure, uh, yeah, quite possible that we get our, our champion from the East this year, once again, because of the depth of the conference. But whoever does make it to the finals, they're going to be battle-tested, probably tired. That's another part, too. We'll see how They will how definitely be tired. Like, the, I <laughs> yeah. can't wait for the Eastern Conference playoffs, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, both sides, obviously. But the East playoffs are going to be just uh, 
a total wasteland. Like I, I've <laughs> like we we went through all this. I have no idea how it's gonna how it's gonna play out. Like I I, I mean I'll have to look into it and really like crutch numbers more and sure. look back at some past games between the top teams. But um, especially with how much has changed up too since the deadline, I'm I'm very excited to see how things play out. It's gonna be fun playoffs. Yeah. And it might just come down to, you know, matchups like if Philly plays Brooklyn, for instance, and that's not a good matchup, not saying it is, but that's just an example. Or if Miami plays um, Boston, again, maybe that's just a matchup that doesn't really go well for them because these teams have so much depth um, when it comes to star power and they all have like their little deficiencies here and there, but overall they're quality teams. So we'll have to see who comes out of the East. Any work coming up, uh, Mark, for you? Anything that people can look out for? Um, yeah, I should have a lot coming out this week. I know nice. like, I have like three or four deadlines that are, are all coming up. So uh, expect that. Um, I have all my stuff up on Twitter. I'm pretty active there. So yeah, Beautiful. thanks stuff for having me on, man. This was fun. Nice. Um, I appreciate you coming on and giving me your time. I said uh, be an hour and look at that. We're over an hour. So you can find <laughs> him okay. at M Schindler NBA. Uh, again, his work on basketball news and SB Nation. Look out for it. And obviously, he's a great podcaster, too. So, Mark, thanks so much. And everyone, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.